Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever and however you're listening. Welcome to another episode of Hip Hop and Politics. I am one of three hosts, Marquis Lupton, along with Nina Clotilde. And of course, Sylvie Romain. And ladies and gentlemen, we have, like I always say, an amazing show for you today. Uh, we have some very special guests with us. Uh, some full house. Uh, yeah, full, full, full house. Full house. Uh, some um, distinguished guests, like I like to uh, uh, say. Uh, first and foremost, we have representing Lancaster Assets. Can I say that? Uh, representing Lancaster Assets, Mr. Jamie Arroyo. What's going on, man? <laughs> I can't wait for that. Uh, da, 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 da. I can't wait for sound <laughs> That's all right. We got you here. We got you here. <laughs> and 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 also, um, we have a uh, group with us whose uh, reputation precedes themselves. Throws the biggest party in life. <laughs> Sophie, would you like to uh, introduce our uh, our guests? Lancaster Community Foundation. Mm. These people, like I said, throw the biggest party in Lancaster with the extraordinary give. If y'all ever go downtown on this night, you get caught up. Somebody <laughs> will sweep you into the Marriott, and before you know it, you're like, what's happening here? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So, we uh, will we'll be getting into... Um, um, an interview about the extraordinary give that is coming up very soon uh, and uh, like I said before we will be discussing financial literacy uh, assets and so forth with Mr. Jamie Arroyo but first we like to get to the music so uh, we're going to get to the music first and we'll be right back ladies and gentlemen you're listening to Hip Hop and Politics please do not leave luggage unattended anywhere on the station any unattended luggage will be removed without warning and may be destroyed Yeah, it's true that I'm introverted Absent from the room like I'm missing person I stay awake till dawn like I'm just detergent Not good with phone calls, maybe till it's urgent Catch me with a book or I'm hearing sermons Man caves in the kitchen, got the fire burning And I came with some baggage too My mind zigzags like a rabbit do Take me a while to get mad at you So when I'm mad, it's cold, shoulder and attitude I don't like to be wrong, and I jump to conclusions like the end of the song. I'm an overtalker, getting better at listening. I'm not a big saver, so money's ended up missing it. I could be defensive and insecure. You know all the baggage that I brought on board. We still gonna fly But she likes to keep it clean, smell for breeze in her house If anything breaks down, she likes to figure it out I call her my tech support, how she configures it out Her work ethic is top notch She's thorough and don't skip steps like hopscotch See social and gives everybody the benefit of the doubt Even if I ain't feeling it But she came with some baggage too Quick to hide in a hole like a rabbit do If she's not in control, then there's attitude And she can fold under pressure like a ladder do she can be defensive and insecure Yet I know all the baggage that she brought on board 
anyway. We gon' fly anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would uh, like to have your music uh, entered and listened to on Hip Hop and Politics, you can contact us at Hip Hop and Politics 717 at gmail.com. Once again, that is Hip Hop and Politics 717 at gmail.com. Um, so, to um, get right into the um, hot button issues, the uh, hot button topics that are uh, happening today, um, I have one word. Mm-hmm. One word. Mm-hmm. Uh, three syllables? Mm-hmm. Yeah, three syllables caravan Mm -hmm. who's afraid of the big bad caravan that's coming i know somebody (laughs) i know who should be afraid (laughs) you know um in in i uh let's let's to to put some more details to it um with the caravan coming uh which which i think is just a huge dog whistle um um for oh the mexicans are coming the mm-hmm. mexicans are coming mm-hmm. you, you know um outside of that i really believe that that is such a smallish issue on on the happenstance that is going on right now um in the country with the synagogue uh shooting um with those uh two people that were murdered in kentucky uh with the bombs that mm-hmm. were uh, sent to those uh, specific dignitaries and and, and actors, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which which is just which is which is kind of upsetting and, and and it's kind of weird at the same time because now we're basically saying that you know, um, uh, it's it's okay for me to threaten your life based off of your personal ideals Mm -hmm. you know it's like we're Mm -hmm. we're coming to um a point in this country where you know like we can't even disagree anymore you know we can't um um non-violently disagree it's kind of like when you disagree with somebody they take it so personal Mm -hmm. and it's like oh i i I gotta act out now Mm -hmm. um and and that that attitude um has has kind of trickled down from the top into the citizens and that's where we're seeing this this kind of act out um not to sit on my soapbox but um but i um teaching at thaddeus stevens i just had a meeting with uh the vice president today and and she was talking about how um there there's just something different this semester um the students are so angry the teachers are so angry mm-hmm. you know the faculty is 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 um acting out on the students and the students are acting out on the faculty and majority of it is race related mm. um and and she's she asked the question you know it was kind of rhetorical like i wonder what's going on but we really know what's going on especially when there's those people that say there's good people on, on both right. sides. It's a, yeah, it's a tone that's been created and set um, with this administration. Um, the country is definitely changing. Um, the minds and hearts of its citizens aren't aren't in a communal sense anymore. It's really turned into rat. Uh, a rat race, more dog eat dog, and complexion. Mm. It, it's become more of an issue than it's been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know hmm. if it's going to take the administration not being around anymore. 
or someone being newly elected, but something needs to give. It, I And I don't know if I find that heartening or disheartening because on the one hand, yeah, it feels like this, you know, we are divided and people aren't, you know, their incomes aren't bringing in enough and they're taking on too much debt. And, and historically, that has always led to blaming immigrants and shutting down the borders and all of that. So that's the heartening and disheartening part that both people aren't realizing that they're being duped into blaming other people for right. the situation that our country is in. And also that we're doing this again maybe is a good thing that it we've be, we've gotten through it. But choosing to come together and find a resolution you'd think would be the answer. And I think that goes back to what Keith was saying about these people, about how we can't agree. And I think when it comes to our leadership and it comes to giving power to these sorts of ideals that what you think is right and anybody that thinks differently is not only against you, but is against everybody that is with you, everything or an enemy. Is and is trying to destroy you. So then that's when we cross over from like passionate activist into terrorism, right? right? When you're willing to put your you other people's lives on the line for your ideal. Ideals. Right. And that's that's exactly what it is. It's uh, it's it's basically putting other people's lives on the line because I don't agree with it. And and that kind of arrogance, you know what I mean? Um, I disagree with you. You disagree with me. So therefore, you don't deserve to live like that kind of arrogance is is really disturbing um, be, because it really shows a. Um, uh, a, a lack of love and, and, it, and it shows a lack of love of life, you know, um, as as if your life is worse, is worth less than mine mm -hmm. because of a political difference. Mm -hmm. It's brimming. Mm -hmm. it's, it's brimming on the edge of a dictatorship and fascism. Right. Right. It is. It is. And and to um, piggyback off of that. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of <laughs> and fascism, and, and, and fascism, and and how, um, Jamie, I'm uh, I'm gonna bring you in, in on this. Um, how do you feel? Um, uh, and how did you feel after hearing um the proposal that the um president had about about removing the uh birthright, the Fourteenth Amendment? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So at first like everything that unfortunately the president says you kind of take it as a, as a joke at first you're kind of like this guy's kidding he's trying to scare people um but then it got i got a little nervous because it's one of those things that you know he says this and then people start to believe it and whether he can or he can't it creates this idea that people can uh use against others mm -hmm. so when he said that you know i thought you know, I, I'm lucky because, you know, I was born in Puerto Rico. So if you're born in Puerto Rico, you're automatically a citizen. Um, so I recognize that privilege that I have. But I think of my friends and family or, you know, my friends that that don't have that privilege mm -hmm. and the fear that now they have because they're not sure 
is this true or not, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it becomes a scary thing. I think it's o- almost like psychological warfare when you think of how you're playing with people's mindsets, uh, you know, whether something's true or not. So it's, it's a little scary. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and two things on that is that I, I don't believe for a second that, that this is not a distraction or a way to rile up the base. We're gonna get all the Browns out one way or another. But also, I think Jamie's 100% right that this is an effort to dehumanize people um, in any way possible. But also, remember, and, and this is what, we could sit here and talk about the hypocrisy of the right all day, but remember back when Obama wanted to make an executive order for people to have health care more rights and they called him an emperor yet this man wants to make an executive right for people to have or an executive order for people to have less rights and i think this is the major difference between the right and the left is that the right is out to deplete rights from people and the left at the very least at least on its face is trying to get more and more rights and more and more freedom to people and to a, a party that loves its freedom and its liberty so much it just seems a little bit like a cognitive dissonance a little bit yeah well <clears throat> and and to bring our uh, jamie uh back into this um cognitive dissonance um to, to, to really piggyback off of what uh, Sophie was saying, um, what do you see um, in in certain communities today, um, especially being a employee of um, of, of assets? Um, what do you see as as a pressing issue um, pertaining to cognitive dissonance uh, for 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 some of the people that you uh, interact with? Yeah. So, can you explain a little bit more? As um, <coughs> people people that are People that are uh, willing to um, to live certain open lies, uh, so, so to speak, they they uh, grasp uh, to 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 a known lie, but they uh, live live as if it's a truth. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would be a, uh, a I'm example trying of that? to think actually to to bring assets into this. I think of like Appalachia and coal country mm. where a pl- uh, an organization like Assets would be perfect. All right. This coal is, is hurting the environment. It's hurting the people that work in it. It needs to be shut down. Um, the powers that be and all of that are trying to keep it open. But the workers on the ground, the, the cognitive dissonance that I think that they're living through is they're not realizing, they are realizing that this work kills them and that kind of death goes throughout their generations they are realizing that they are funneled into one opportunity and one opportunity only if you live in that area and they understand that if they were to provide funding or provide support to programs like assets that they would have more of an option they they agree on both of those things but somewhere in their minds it doesn't it doesn't meet in the middle to to how they vote to who they support to their actions even mm-hmm. yeah i i think one of the biggest like 
things that we see is so we deal with businesses right mm-hmm. so a lot of businesses uh, it's interesting it's one of those like apolitical things where you think you know if you're thinking more conservative they're pro-business lower taxes uh, and then you don't think of it almost as a democratic issue but what we're trying to see is how do businesses play a huge part in the development of a community as well so it's like this two-sided thing where it's actually you can use this tool that yes you're looking at making some money at the same t- at, you know making some money uh, but you're using it to actually uplift people and also enhance the planet as well. Um, so that's a big concept that assets that we push is really what is our triple bottom line. So mm-hmm. it's people, planet, profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting working with individuals that, uh, you know, uh, one, <laughs> one, um, one, you know, one issue with, with businesses, for example, is, is diversity. Um, and mm-hmm. the case for having diversity in leadership, having more diverse employees or having an employee ba- base that reflects the community. Yeah. One aspect of it is that, hey, we, we can't find those types of employees or uh, there's this pushback of trying to, uh, you know, affirmative action and just mm-hmm. different things right. like that. Right? Mm-hmm. There's this pushback. But there's statistics that show that the more diverse that your employee base is, the more diverse the leadership is, the more profitable your business is. Mm-hmm. So it actually enhances your bottom line. So there's actually a business case to have more diversity. Same thing with how you pay your employees. You know, you have a lot of business owners that will say, we can't afford to pay our employees uh you know, $15 an hour, for example. However, if you do do that, you actually decrease turnover and have happier employees. Mm -hmm. How much money is a business owner spending on the turnover that's happening in their business? Mm -hmm. So again, it enhances your bottom line, but there's this disconnect of how business owners, or not all, but how some business owners see, you know, helping their employees. So Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is bridge that gap and show that, hey, not only is this is a this is a human issue, we need to help elevate people out of poverty, but it's also a business case for this. This can actually enhance your business. Um, so sometimes there's this disconnect we're trying to bridge for that. Speaking of that, actually, that goes that goes right into kind of what we had you in here for. Um, so I, I was reading about the lending disparity between people of color um, and, and that kind of growth. It's lending in in all of his aspects, quite frankly, and just some numbers overall. Um, black people are rejected for overall lending, eighteen percent. Hispanic people are rejected at thirteen percent. Asian people are rejected at ten percent, and white people are rejected at eight percent. White people are rejected at eight eight percent. Black people are rejected at eighteen percent. That's double. That's yep. double. Now, when it comes to home mortgages, which is like the bigger chunk, um, 8%, 7.9% of white people are rejected. 19% of black people are rejected. When they do get a loan, they get higher interest rates, um, tougher terms. And so when they did this study, they went to these like CEOs and these the heads of executives of the lending institutions, and they vehemently defend um our practices aren't aren't race at all this is more about historic um systematic problems but the disconnect again so so you're admitting we all see these numbers these numbers are a problem but you're saying what you're doing is fine this needs to change what you're doing is fine where's the (laughs) 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 right right and and um and what I would like to add, um, when when I lived in uh, Philadelphia, 
um, we lived in a a Korean neighborhood, um, and and I saw how um, how there will be and, and and there was an expansion of that neighborhood, um, and and it began with uh, them opening up uh, a a Korean a Korean bank uh, in that neighborhood, and and then once I saw that Korean bank open up in the neighborhood, I was like, you know what? There's probably going to be a explosion of Korean businesses. Um, one thing that um, mm-hmm. my friend told me, he he, he was like, with, with with certain loan officers, um, it is about who you know. You mm. know, uh, he he said that there there's not really a specific algorithm. You know, they have like certain checkpoints that they need to hit for for lending to somebody, but it ultimately comes down to that officer now if if he's giving me the right information or 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 not um is yet to be seen but looking at it through through my lens um if i would look at that korean bank that was erected in that neighborhood and just in five short years see the the business explosion Mm -hmm. um in that neighborhood and then from that business explosion the real estate um i started to see real estate signs in another language, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. so it's like, OK, so this neighborhood is being intentional with with who they want in this neighborhood. Mm. And, and I was I was thinking, like, I would be very dumb to think that this wasn't done in other neighborhoods, you know, a, a, as if it, it wasn't kind of a rinse, wash, repeat hmm. in other neighborhoods. Then I started to think if you go to any Chinatown in any part of any city like if you're not part of that asian lineage try to open up a store mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. just tr- a- attempt to mm-hmm. you know and 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 see what kind of reaction you know you're you're going to get um and and, and i say that to say that you see the intentionality you know, like like they they uh, they said we not only want to open up businesses, but we want this area to be geared towards us. Now, um, that's they- actually I, that's not even like a theory. That's mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't. If anybody gets a chance, I think it's still on Netflix. There's a documentary about General Chow's. Which you think is like, who's going to... But it's actually like a documentary more about the Asian American plight. Mm. And it turns out with the Chinese, at least, there very much was a network all across every United States that whomever was coming over, okay, you're related to the so-and-sos. Mm-hmm. They're related to the whoozy whatsies that are in here. They have a restaurant. They have a space. They can get you a restaurant. Bam, bam, bam. And they kind of organized and orchestrated their own migration through their own little networks mm-hmm. and that makes sense um um even when you look at um migrants from, from other um countries um um in uh, again in in philly um met this uh guy that owned a string of uh speedways uh he was from india and and he bought he bought um he came over here and bought, I think it was a Luke Oil, Luck Oil, mm-hmm. um, bought one of those in like Southern Jersey, um, him and his brother. Um, and, and it did so well that they bought two more. Um, and then they moved into the Philadelphia area and, and started to, to buy um, speedways when speedways were trans. Well, when 
Hesed? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. During that transition. So like, so like, it's just, it's, it's funny to hear like how, how other, uh, other people, um, uh, other races, other migrants come here with, with like that, that, that business uh, savvy mindset of saying, okay, well, I'm going to open up a string of hotels. I'm going to open up a string of gas stations. You know, you go down to, um, and I hate to use this school as an example, but you go down to King or you go down to Washington, or I mean, even if you go out to Mannheim Township, you know, I don't think that there are uh, a group of kids that are aspiring um, to open up any kind of gas stations or anything like that. And, and I really think that there's, um, there, there's a disconnect, um, with with certain populations and and having that entrepreneurial type mindset and having that mindset be encouraged Mm. so if i could jump in yes one of the issues with that too is that a lot of those uh, groups that you mentioned actually have access to capital Mm. Mm. okay so a lot of you know i have friends and uh that you know came from India, that their family came with actual capital, or they had access to it. Mm. Um, what if I told you that the in the the systems that are actually built in banking actually don't incentivize for races like Latinos and African Americans to actually get access to that capital? Mm-hmm. So one of the issues is I used to do mortgages, mm-hmm. um, and we're seeing this disparity in Lancaster City specifically. To use an example, where housing there's an issue with housing, right? Mm-hmm. Affordable mm-hmm. housing, whether it's affordable rents, whether it's uh, home ownership, um, to solve that, to build wealth in a family, one of the common uh, theories is you you provide home ownership. So, uh, you know, whether it's African-American or Latinos, they get to buy their home and they start to build equity over a long mm-hmm. period of time. However, the way mortgage loan officers work within a banking system is they get commission based on the loan volume that they do. So I get a certain percentage based on the mortgage loan amount that I do. Now, do I do, as a loan officer, do I do the $500,000 house in Mannheim Township or outside of Lancaster County, or do I have to do five houses at less than 100000 mm. in Lancaster City to mm-hmm. a Latino that maybe his credit score isn't the best, which historically we have lower mm-hmm. credit scores because mm-hmm. of other issues we can right. talk about. Um, but what happens is now you're not incentivizing that loan officer to actually do business in that neighborhood. Right. Mm. Also, if it takes more education, more, uh, you know, uh, holding their hand throughout the process to teach them the process because they're probably the first person in their family to buy a house. Right. Wow. So they never mm-hmm. understood the process. Whereas, you know, maybe another family that's more affluent, they have wealth. Maybe their parents are helping them with down payments. Mm-hmm. Maybe their credit score started off at a, in a good in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a disconnect right there where banks can say that they're helping. They want to help promote home ownership, and they're do. Excuse me, they're doing these things. Um, but the loan officer isn't incentivized. And I found myself in that position as a mortgage loan officer that said, "This is awesome." I get to help my community buy homes. However, I have to, for every million dollar home I did for the dentist, I have to do 10 of those for mm-hmm. uh, for Latino African Americans in the south side of Lancaster. Mm. Wow. And my wow. paycheck is based off of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of two or three Latino Spanish speaking loan officers in Lancaster County at the wow. time. So what happens with wow. that? Right. Yeah. So, so 
it, it, like there's there the system there is in place that says that discourages that moves someone away. Um, and unfortunately, I had someone tell me, don't put um, Hablo Español on my business card because then they're going to pigeonhole you right. into that market. Oh, wow. And that's yeah. not how you're going to make money. Wow. I was told that. So that's there's oh. it's, it's discouraged. So you discourage the access to capital for home ownership. And that's how I mean, you want to get rid of bad landlords. You want to improve a neighborhood. You, you buy the house. My mm -hmm. parents were able to, you know, when I first half of my life was spending garden court, they took advantage of LHOP, bought uh, their first, first home um, right by McCaskey High School 20 years ago. Um, and my dad just like fixed it up over time. And they were able to build enough equity that they bought their house in Manhattan Township. And my dad's happy because he has parking now. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is, like, he had to go through the system, but it took someone actually willing to walk him through the process. And unfortunately, uh, loan officers aren't incentivized to help uh, to hold people um, to walk people through that process. So, so well, then, what's the answer? Then, ha is it is it a matter of because, like Jamie said, they have access to capital? I think I also read somewhere that in the Middle East, specifically, maybe even India, certain tribes will just like raise money to send someone over. Mm -hmm. Those of us Latinos. African Americans, we out here. We yeah. we here. <laughs> There's nobody to raise money for us. Right. And it seems like our population is at odds with the decision makers. So it puts us in a position where it's like can can we even start our own networks to help each other? Right. Or are we forever going to be dependent on people seeing the issue and then finally doing something about it? Yeah, and I think that's part part for our our community to realize is one we also have to know the rules of the game and there and that's a mm. real thing so mm. whether it's credit scores things of that sort that's what i was yeah. gonna say um as far as rules of the game because the majority of us we were schooled in places that didn't teach about being financially sound mm -hmm. credit building things banking things of that nature people have a pretty high level of ignorance when it comes to money. Yeah. Um, what do you suggest, uh, those of us that are parents or have mm. uh, youth in our lives, that we want to instill these good practices in regards to money, what do you suggest that we do? What's the first steps to take? Yeah, so the first thing is, um, <laughs> it's going to sound, uh, is pick up a book. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, okay. that's what helped me. So okay. it's uh, anything that that I wanted to learn that I wasn't getting directly from my parents because either they didn't know or I wasn't getting in school. It was how do I find out this information somewhere else um, that's reading a book, that's looking online. Like, the mm. information is abundant. It's there. It's, it's mm. there. It's just how do we go after it? Um, and the resources are, uh, sorry, the resources are out there. So um, assets is one of those. So as far as our community, there is a huge entrepreneurial spirit in our community. Like tons of people come and want to open business. Like we hustle. That's what mm -hmm, we do. Mm -hmm. Right. We try to figure it out. We try to there's a we survived. Right. We mm -hmm. make money some way. Um, how do we channel that to opening up businesses? Uh, and what we do at Assets is we realized um, even through our lending is we don't just give loans. We actually hold, uh, walk you through the process, whether it's business planning or knowing the rules to the game, it's saying, okay, let's look at your credit, let's figure out what happened, and let's figure out a plan to get from there. So you're less likely to fail. 
Exactly. You need a support network. You need that. You need that resource that's going to be able to help and walk you through. Um, and sometimes it's as basic as what do your bank accounts look like? Something mm. that we take yeah. for granted as far as like, do you have your business and your personal checking separated? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And why do you need to know that? Mm -hmm. You know, are you saving on a consistent basis? Because, you know, something with our community is we take our paychecks and we spend it. Feast right? or famine. No every one, time. No one taught us that, hey, did you know that, you know, 10 percent of your paycheck should be saved? I, mm -hmm. I look up, look back and say, if my mom literally put 50 bucks a paycheck when I first was born, she could have paid my whatever was left over for my college tuition when I graduated. Wow. Mm -hmm. She could have wrote a check for me and paid it off mm. i would have been debt free after mm. undergrad so but she didn't know right mm -hmm. and just 50 bucks like right. my mom could have figured out 50 bucks she would mm -hmm. have figured it out and that's and that's just a lack of awareness of how this process works um so it's finding those champions out there for you that are actually going to teach you and walk you through that process to show you the rules of the game and actually encourage you and help you so that way um you don't just have an entrepreneurial spirit you become an entrepreneur mm. sounds like you're the champ jamie <laughs> <laughs> we have um we have a, a response uh, from from the audience, uh, Mr. Andre Witte. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, he says we have to raise it ourselves. You have to fix your neighborhood one block at a time. Stop getting money and leaving. Get money and fix it up. And to his point, um, to his point, growing up in Lancaster, um, Nina, you could probably um, uh, attest to this as well. To to his point, um, especially my generation, we were told to leave. Yep. You know, as we were soon told, as you can, right? You know, as as soon as you graduated from from your respective high school, get out and don't come back. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we we weren't taught about uh, sending that elevator back yep. down. We were taught yep. get out, get Stay your own. away from right, right. We 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 were taught honestly scarcity tactics. Yeah, like there's not a lot out here. When you get yours, hold on to it. There's not too much in Lancaster. Don't come yep. back. Yep. So like we we had this attitude and, and I'm pretty sure it was a generation before us and a generation after us that has this same kind of mm. mindset. That was we were told that before we even knew what we wanted to be yeah. and right. do with yeah. our Absolutely. lives. Yep. You know, um, me personally, I was told like in seventh or eighth grade. Um, from my guidance counselor that since I wanted to be in fashion, Lancaster was not mm. the fashion forward mm -hmm. place to be in, that I needed to move to a New York City mm. to get my career off the ground mm. um, and really discouraged to be and stay in Lancaster because I was told I wouldn't go anywhere. Right. And even um, mm. and, and even. As a news reporter, like I was told that you don't want to be in the smaller markets. You know, you you want to be in the New York cities, the Philadelphia's, right. the mm -hmm. Los More Angeles. Areas. Right. And the crazy thing is, um, when I was in Philly, I tried to do this very thing called TCP, you know, four years ago. Try to do this very thing. It didn't go anywhere because in Philly, it's like a um it's like a cafeteria. Yeah. You, you know, it, it's like a lunchroom cafeteria, just a whole bunch of people, whole bunch of sound. You don't know what's going on, who's talking. It's just mm -hmm. a whole bunch of clamor. And that's how Philadelphia is. It's just a whole bunch of clamor, you know. Um, and the only people that can hear you are right around you. Exactly. Versus coming out to Lancaster, like there was a need. There was a need specifically because our, our news stations and news outlets aren't as diverse 
as those in mm-hmm. the city, you know. So so the stuff that they cover is a little bit different than coming out here. So so then there's a thirst for what we have to offer, you know. So that's that that's really um, what what I think our predecessors kind of missed the mark mm-hmm. on because um, with telling this whole generation to leave, people were able to come in and shape Lancaster in their vision. Mm-hmm. That's why Lancaster is looking like Portland. That's why Lancaster mm-hmm. is looking like Brooklyn now because the, the the inhabitants were told to go because we were told how much this place sucked. Mm-hmm. And then now we're seeing in Forbes, you know, it's one of the best places in the, in right. the country. And right. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so um, so to get, to get our uh, guests involved as well because we do have uh, the... Uh, Oh, mighty, mighty with us today. Speaking of community action. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> making a, uh, a transition, um, uh, staying within the realm of community. Um, can, can you all uh, give us a, a brief synopsis on uh, the Extraordinary Give? Um, how did it start? Why did it start? Um, and... and the places it's going. Right. Mm. Where is it going? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I can give it. I can give it in. Yeah. How should I like do the sound? Yeah. Should I just get up. Yeah. There you go. I can do an intro, but I have not been here since its inception. Okay. <laughs> we'll try and keep it brief. How How old is the extra gift? So this is the seventh extraordinary gift. Okay. okay. Um, it's been around for so in six days of giving. So a quick overview. So the extraordinary gift for those of you unfamiliar, um, it is a 24-hour giving day. Um, and on that day, you can give to any number of organizations. We've It's been growing in number every year. This year we have five, almost 500, 495 organizations Dang. registered. Uh, it's the Did you biggest know there were that many people? Right? right. No. Every year we're just yeah. like, this has got to be it. Like, there's <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And there are even more that want to get involved, and yeah. it's, it's just incredible. So, um, yeah, so it's a 24-hour giving day. You can support these amazing causes. Uh, but we really, what really separates Extra Give from um, some of the other charitable giving days is that on that day, thanks to the Community Foundation and our awesome sponsors, mm. sponsors, <laughs> um, so your donation is going to be stretched by a pool of more than half a million dollars on the day. So if an organization raises, so last year we raised $8.6 million in one day for wow. 464 organizations. So how, if an organ- do you comp- Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> how do you accomplish something like that? I mean, that it's, it's all you all. Like, we don't, you know, we, we put money in and we try to be as big a cheerleader as possible. But, I mean, this really kind of comes down to, again, community, community power, community building. Um, people are passionate about these organizations that are doing awesome work. Um, and, you know, we all donate our, our own money, but, like, it's, it's the community that's, like, raising $8.6 million. In six days alone, we've raised more than $31 million. For the- oh! It's just insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think you guys are giving enough credit. They create an environment that makes it so much fun to give to charity like literally yeah. before yeah. you know it last extra give i was like oh shoot i spent two hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> like, so you get twenty five dollars there's an yeah. impulse give 
of like that's the best yeah. thing yeah. Yeah. like can go yeah. on so you go to this website extragift.org and you can look at all of the different organizations that are participating including places like assets um, shout so, out to assets <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so there's so many kinds of organizations people that are supporting you know families and youth and business development and economic development and education and libraries and parks and the environment golden and, retriever yeah <laughs> <laughs> other animals docks and rescue Pity's love piece. Yeah, <laughs> lots of different dogs. Yeah, yeah, pet pantry. So there's there's lots and lots of organizations. So there's so many people because I get that's really the point that um, that's what we found with extraordinary give is just so many people care about so many different things and there are people working really hard every day to make you know make their work matter and extraordinary give is a chance to like shine a spotlight on things and help people know what's going on. So even just going to extragive.org and like browsing around mm-hmm. is amazing because you're like. I had no idea. I had no idea there was somebody who was, you know, doing things, you know, for kids in that way or for the library in that way or whatever. Many, many different kinds of things. So, yeah, it's a chance to bring people in. And then this community has made it into this incredible celebration. So, right, it's online at its core, extragive.org. But then... Like everybody does tons of things. Mm. We're really happy because we get to host an event. Um, we host it at the Marriott, and it's free, and it's it's live music. This year we're doing um, Family Fest oh, from nice. three to six. Okay. So again, in the same way, like assets is like helping people educate people about financial literacy. It's a chance to like bring families together, talk about what do you care about in our community, yeah. mm. because it's really all of us coming together uh, to support the things we care about and encourage each other to to support the things. Um, so there's the giving, but there's the learning about it and like saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I care about this. What do you care about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a really Building good part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then what uh, what is what is the most um, difficult aspect of, of putting this together? Because you're you're basically like like putting such um, um, a, a big service project together and kind of like consolidating it into 24 hours, <laughs> you know. So what is what is the most difficult uh, leading leading up to that point? Because I know day of there's a lot of yeah. we're moving yeah. parts and yeah. everything yeah. like that. Well, it's kind of crazy because like the day of it's one of those things where it's like you're you're on the roller coaster and you're going up and you round the round the bend and it's like. Then you're just on it. Oh. Then you enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> you're reacting as best you can, but like you're on a path now and you're kind of going for it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think like the, lots, all the different, I mean, I think the accounting guys would have definitely something to say about what's the most, ex- <laughs> most difficult part. But yeah. I mean, from our end, I feel like, you know, we, we try to work hard to make it as easy as possible for organizations to get involved. And once they are involved, to um, have access to tools and resources to get better um, and get more efficient and more um, targeted with how they're fundraising. Because, I mean, the, the point of the Extraordinary Give, the way, the reason it was originally set up was to kind of give organizations a platform to start thinking about ways that they can raise money um, in innovative ways, in new ways, to kind of create this kind of centralized way for people to, uh, for donations to come through, but also for people to find uh, organizations that they might care about mm-hmm. and for organizations who may not have the resources for websites, for promotional materials, all these sorts of things to have this platform to use to tell their story and advocate for themselves. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of work that goes in on the Community Foundation side and, and from uh, the folks at GiveGab, which is the the company that actually built the Extra Give platform. 
Um, there's a lot of work that goes in on the front end to kind of figure out like, okay, so we had you know have all these marketing materials ready for organizations, all these trainings, all these things to kind of make sure that they're like, and they're all free, of course, mm-hmm. uh, to give organizations as good a chance as possible to like, um, to both f- advocate for themselves, but then realize that like, oh, this actually works. Like mm-hmm. when we're really like putting effort into, f- into into marketing, into communication, into telling our story effectively, this actually gets a lot of great results. We're going to start investing in this year round and thinking about these things that worked for extra give and for, you know working them into our strategy all the time. Yeah, and I would say that one of the hardest things actually is helping people know about it and right. know that mm. they can be involved because that's the thing. It's like it's like a democratic process of caring. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So it's like how do you jump in and say I care about this? And there's like there's a couple ways. There's lots of ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that with giving all this exposure to all these different causes mm-hmm. that there's hundreds of people wanting to volunteer their time and talents mm. to these organizations? Yeah. So that's the thing. Like this is like a huge opportunity for everyone. The reason Extraordinary Give works is because all of the organizations participate. Right. So almost 500 organizations are like, yeah, we're in like we want to be in. Uh, You know, we said at the beginning something about like scarcity mentality when it first started, you know, six or seven years ago. I think some people were a little hesitant. They're like, Mm. I I don't know, because they're going to get more like money or, Mm. uh, you know, than I am. But what we found is the more people are in, the more we're doing together Mm -hmm. because it's like, all right, you're doing great. You're doing great stuff. Yeah. yeah, Look at us go. So like, it's totally become a really building positive momentum. And so that part's good. So yeah, people do want to get involved and they, so they're reaching out to individual organizations, the things that they know and that they care about. They're like, how can I help you? You know, we want to be in. And then people come to us and say they want to volunteer. So, you know, people can make a donation on the day, go to extragive.org, find their favorite organization, make a gift, 25 bucks or more, and everything gets stretched, right? It all the money goes all the way out to the organizations. The community foundation doesn't take one penny. We've never taken one wow. penny from this. Glad you said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like, people are going to So everybody knows. Dollars that go in. Like, everything goes out to all the organizations. We don't wow. take a penny. We're just in it to help facilitate yeah, yeah. Like, champions right <laughs> that's awesome we're really proud of that we really love that part of extraordinary give because it that's really core to why we're here is to help inspire giving but like this year people can go on so it, when we don't have 25 bucks to give we can still go on and like choose an organization and you can be a fundraising champion so you wow. can like you know pick an organization that you love and there's a button right on their page one will say donate where you can make a gift and one will say fundraise so you can be like an online oh, fundraiser so cool you'll be like oh i love the library and you make up your own little page mm-hmm. and you can you know share it out through your social media networks oh, and be like oh i support this organization because i love it and they saved my dog and they did all these things <laughs> and so help me raise 500 bucks to support them so like that's a way that people can get involved whether or not you you know can give a gift want to give a gift whatever and so like regular profit businesses can raise on behalf of others yeah we're i mean we're we're super super excited so this is like that that's a new feature this year yeah um something we're really excited about i think has a lot of potential to really grow the reach of extra gifts so i mean like i don't know like me personally like there's a 25 five dollar minimum to for donations, um, and that's just the number that makes the most sense with the credit card processing fees and the mm-hmm. technology fees. We just wanted to make sure it's worth it for the organizations to receive that. Um, but you know, like personally, twenty-five dollars, I get wiped out pretty quickly. Like I can't give to all the clients right. I care about. Right. Um, but what's really amazing about this year is that you know you can become a peer-to-peer fundraiser 
uh, a champ fundraising champion is the it, fear to appear is like the lingo we term for it. Right. <laughs> fundraising champion is what it's look is what it looks like on extragive.org. You can okay. sign up to be an advocate for any organization that you care about. You set your own goal. Costs nothing to be involved. So if you can't afford to give to the, all the causes that you care about, you can be fighting for them out on the day. Um, wow. Not to not to like give you like backhanded props, but like Atalo was amazing at doing that sort of thing like unofficially, yeah. right? Yeah. And the and, mm-hmm. and this is kind of the things that like GiveGab, the folks who uh, who build extragive.org, you know, they have their finger on the pulse of like where giving is going mm-hmm. in general because mm-hmm. they do giving days for all across the country. Um, and so all the data is showing that like people want to give to people, right? Yeah. They want to give to people that they care about. And it's like whether or not they, that cause was on their radar even. If Sophie is like advocating for something, I'm like, okay, I trust Sophie. Yeah. I can support Sophie in that. Um, so we're really excited about like being able to actually bake that into Extra Give this year and kind of reach more and more and more people. So. I was just thinking that this whole thing is just its own self-fulfilling prophecy of positivity because the collateral I I know personally and I've heard of people that at the events just within the giving you made the connections which probably begets more organizations that can participate and now with this new feature it goes beyond the 501c3s and just like little old pop shop can say (laughs) I like dachshunds how many businesses started in the first year of e- extraordinary gifts, how many businesses do you guys remember? Uh, um, do you remember? Are you talking about the number of organizations participating? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something like um, maybe one. One hundred and seventy-five or seventy. Or, yeah, somewhere, yeah. somewhere in yeah. that range. Wow. Yeah. 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 So it's grown. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. just absolutely crazy. It's just awesome to see all these organizations doing awesome things. Um, one thing that I just wanted to highlight, um, it's, it's awesome, and we've been talking about raising money, and we talked about the $31 million that's been raised over the first six years, uh, but it, it's just truly a just fun event to be at. Yeah. And I know we touched on this a little bit, but we do run the, the event at the Marriott. Family Fest will be from three to six, so that, you know, bring your kids, you know, they'll have some coloring, some fun, some, some children's music, and, and really fun activities there. And a cool photographs, voting booth. Voting. Okay. Lots of fun things for kids. So three to six, and then uh, from seven until mm-hmm. six, to six to midnight. Uh, yeah. yeah, six to midnight. Um, there's the um, the music festival. Woo! Uh, great lineup of bands. Aaron, you should talk about that. Who's yeah. who's? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. last year, Tuck Ryan rocked my face <laughs> off. I danced till I was sore. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, we have we have so much fun booking that every year because mm-hmm. we're just trying to come up with like different kinds of acts, different kinds of people and crowds to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year, um, I am tremendously grateful to have something taken off my plate this year. So we're <laughs> actually partnering with uh, Ryan Davis at Animal House Productions. I'm not sure if you're oh, familiar. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, um, he's incredible. He's a, he's a show booker. He's been booking shows since he's 15. Um, and he's like super <laughs> he's invested in, um, in community and also getting all kinds of representation on stages that may not have access to it normally. So he's he's booked, you know, 85% of the lineup this year. So we have local bands, we have regional bands of all different kinds of musical acts, and they're all going to be dancing and fun. So yes. it, should be, it should be a really good time. If y'all yeah. can make it out to the Marriott party, go. It's <laughs> like a straight party. <laughs> like you are giving. partying. With giving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Giving. Alcohol facilitates yeah. giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah. when is it? Oh, 
Good oh question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Friday, November 16th. So it's 24 okay. hours. Starts midnight. So like between Thursday, Friday, midnight to midnight. Midnight okay. to 11.59 p.m. So, yeah, it's fun because it's like, it's really like, it, it's such a great way that our community comes together. And in the face of so many things that are happening in the world, this yeah. is really a day where people are like, you know what? This is my backyard. Mm. I can make a difference. And I can, you know, cheer for things that I care about. Mm-hmm. I can give to things that I care about. I can come out and celebrate and bring my friends because that's something that just gives everybody a lot of energy. It's like a huge, huge huge humbling day for me i'm just like wow wow like people do so many great things in this community every day and it it really just like Mm. brings people together it's really yeah it's awesome and it will be trying to break we broke six million last year right eight million eight million so we're going for the ten dollars yeah. Bring it on. We do our best we do our best not to (laughs) (laughs) I mean honestly I'm, you know, I'm just kind of speaking for myself here, but like, you, but know, you can if, say it. Right. <laughs> they said it. They said it. So, but you know, if, if we raise if we raise six million dollars on Friday, we raise six million dollars for the community. Right. If we, if we raise six million dollars and had twice as many individuals involved, mm-hmm. huge that win. Is that's a huge the number. Win. That's yeah. the number actually that we watch that's, because that's we really literally, okay, so eight point six million dollars was mm-hmm. raised last year, and that was from like twenty three thousand people. Wow. Okay. Wow. So that's a lot of people. Yeah. But. Think about, I mean, half a million. Yeah, like 60,000 people live in the city. Half a million people live in Lancaster County. So we're like, come on. There's so many more people that could be involved. And that's really the goal. And there's Mm. hundreds of ways to get involved. So Mm -hmm. that's really the number that we're So can um, people outside of um, Lancaster still support and and, and donate? Absolutely. We've had donations from all over the world. Wow. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's all 50 states. Might be. It has states. been all 50 over, states. Okay. Over multiple yeah. years, awesome. we've, we've hit all the states. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. definitely, we will take donations from. That's the thing awesome. because it's yeah. online, right? So yeah. I mean, when your families live in, you know, still live in Philly or mm-hmm. Brooklyn or Puerto Rico mm-hmm. or wherever, mm-hmm. I mean, people make donations because they're like, "You guys are doing good stuff." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in to support it. And and then while you're on the page, you're like, "Oh, what else right? is yeah. on here?" Yeah. And the impulse gift. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like sometimes it feels like Amazon. It's like since you. Since you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't spend 200. I spent 100. But it's uh, easy but to do. It, yeah. it is. It is. It, it is because I went on there. Um, I donated to uh, the Brightside Opportunity Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw um, I, I saw a friend's um, nonprofit business. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, you know, let me slide him a couple of dollars. <laughs> yeah. You know, then 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 I um, saw um, saw s- somebody else and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that they were like, oh, okay. And and, and, and and then the last one, um, it was um it was one of the um one of the um canine um oh, yeah. uh, affiliated businesses yeah. And, yeah. and and after I spent that, you know, that that fourth twenty five dollars, I was like, you know what, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> Let me let me just stop because yeah, I, I, honestly, Aaron, I I didn't think I went shopping yet, so <laughs> 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 that might have been a light week. <laughs> but um, but I want to bring uh Jamie uh back in on, on, on this uh conversation. Um, uh, when when it comes to um organizations um and and um happenings like like the um uh, extraordinary give how does how does that um and is kind of a two-part question how does that 
uh, help pro- propel um, a small business um, and and a small business owner. Yeah. So the extraordinary gift specifically is for nonprofits. Okay. Um, so that the way it can help is if you donate to assets on that day. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's one way. Um, <laughs> but as far as the concept, it, as they were talking, I was kind of thinking about your question is how does our community uh, kind of work together to do things? Mm-hmm. And the Extraordinary Give is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. So what it did was it broke down barriers for people that probably wouldn't normally give, right? Oh, so wow, okay. I think of a lot of friends that I bother on that day and I'm like mm-hmm. harassing sending texts yeah. to. Um, they Most likely they probably wouldn't have have given they're just not in this world they probably just don't think about it mm-hmm. but when i reach out to them they go well jamie's cool he's annoying me but he's cool right. and i could give 25 bucks right give to people exactly yeah. right. Yes. Right. exactly right. so it, it breaks down that barrier and it you know it goes back to you know how do we help build businesses within our within our community it's mm-hmm. how do we get people our friends to say you know what you know I only need a couple hundred dollars to really start this business or to test it out. Can I give 25 bucks to, to mm-hmm. you know, Jamie and see if he could start this business? So that's mm-hmm. a, it's that concept of collaborative, mm-hmm. competitive collaboration. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So competitive thinking collaboration. About all these nonprofits are competing, but at the end of the day, like, yes, this nonprofit raised 50000 this prof- nonprofit raised 75000 but at the end of the day, over $8 million was raised for right. Lancaster County. So right. it's that competitive collaboration that um, not only if nonprofits can take advantage of it, mm-hmm. surely our uh, businesses can take advantage of a similar concept. And there's tons of things like crowdfunding and other mm-hmm. platforms that you can do with that as well. So. What are some of those things that Assets does mm-hmm. to, to kind of create that community helping each other out, the program? Yeah, so we actually run the so- Great Social Enterprise Pitch, actually in collaboration with the Community Foundation. Um, so every year we have this competition. It's kind of like Shark Tank. So we basically take applications from uh, different social entrepreneurs. So these are businesses or folks that want to start businesses that have a social or environmental impact component built into it so think of hey i start a business i want to make money it's for profit but i'm going to hire refugees i'm going to make sure that i'm developing a product that's environmentally sustainable Um, so these are social enterprises Um, so we run this competition uh sophie was a part of it in 2017 i came in last (laughs) 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 y'all So we select 10 participants to actually go through this incubator. So a lot of people know it from the one-day event. So mm-hmm. it's actually like a six-month process, as you know, that's yeah. pretty intense. We put them through an incubator. They do training. Uh, so we help develop this business model. Uh, but one component of that is crowdfunding. So mm-hmm. all 10 businesses actually go out and start raising money, just like the Extraordinary Give, except they have a little bit longer than a day. <laughs> <laughs> but they can go to their peers and say, mm-hmm. listen, like I want to start this, uh, this retail shop, but I need $5,000 to start. And friends and family can contribute to help start this business. And everyone has access to this platform. It's just, it's not just us. Mm-hmm. Um, so they raise some money. And then after that, we pick five finalists that actually compete for cash and pro bono prizes on stage at the Ware Center, uh, Shark, Ta- Shark Tank style. So they'll pitch their businesses in five minutes and a panel of judges uh, select who they think should be first through fifth place. And it's over, over in front of over 300 people that do that. Um, so it's a really cool competition. Um, mm-hmm. We think of it as not only a way for these entrepreneurs in these businesses to get started, but actually a way to educate the public on how business can have a positive impact in the community as well. So it's no longer that you start business just for making money. It's how do I start a business to actually help my neighbors and my friends and the environment at the same time. So it's a really cool program. Okay. Um, this um, question is 
for the room um, because what I really uh, noticed, I've, I've only been back in Lancaster um, going on two years now, uh, going on two years. And, and this time coming back um, between organizations like Assets and, and between organizations like the, um, uh, the Lancaster Foundation, I'm, I'm seeing um, more, more of a entrepreneurial mm-hmm. mindset. Um, and, and I'm seeing more more risk takers, um, people that are willing to to take an idea and and try to find a way to make some revenue uh, from it, make a business from it. Um, <clears throat> over the past, let's say five years, um, uh, have have e- either one of you um, seen seen an increase um, in entrepreneurial efforts, um, small business efforts, um, and, and and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in personally. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's what drew me to assets. Uh, it's this entrepreneurial spirit that I think honestly has existed. I mean, it's it's kind of like the American thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's a human thing. It's right. something we want to create something. And if it can make us some, some money to provide for our families, we want to do it. Um, but just really over the last five, six years, even with assets, um, you know, when Jess King came on board and took over, it, it was dying. And mm-hmm. she revamped it into this organization that it is today. Hopefully she can um, do the same. <laughs> So, you know, with assets, it's become this resource provider and this ecosystem for entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. it's like this one stop shop that's like, you know, whether I need training, whether mm-hmm. I need financing or whether I need to learn how I can incorporate this impact into my business. We're the one stop shop for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think about my friends, you know, just growing up like we hip hop and politics. Like <laughs> we listen to a lot of hip hop and our generation that, you know, me personally and my friends close to me, like we we looked we looked we looked up to the Diddies, yeah. the Jay Zs, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, it was Dame Dash. It yeah. was yeah. it was mm-hmm. like these entrepreneurial people that they weren't just rapping and making music, like they were starting their own labels. They right. were doing clothing, mm-hmm. you know, like one of my favorite rappers which was fifty cent wasn't even because of his content, it was mm-hmm. because of what he did outside of right. business. Right. That as a kid I thought was the coolest thing and it made me want to be a businessman. Mm-hmm. And it was like like oh these there's other ways to do this even if I'm not good on the mic like there's other right. ways mm. to do that so absolutely yeah yeah I mean the whole like risk taking thing I mean yeah that's that's been something that we've talked a lot about in the past couple of years and so we're you know we work a lot with nonprofits so we don't work with traditional for-profit businesses but we kind of think about it it's like a spectrum right like everybody's mm-hmm. doing good work different kinds of work some people are for-profit some people are non-for-profit anyway but we've kind of really pushed this idea of risk-taking we've really kind of talked a lot about that and talked about a lot about that with the community benefit sector with the nonprofit to say okay get an entrepreneurial mindset you know we're not going to solve the nonprofit sector is charged with solving some of our biggest problems right poverty and affordable housing and mm. big education issues, a lot of those things fall on nonprofit organizations, mm-hmm. right? And so it's kind of like, hold on, we're not going to change things if we keep doing things for the mm. next 20 years the way we've done things for the last 20 years. So part of our work at the Community Foundation has been to kind of like push ourselves and push each other and other organizations to say, okay, what's a new model? What's something that's working somewhere else? What kind of risk can you take? How can we create safe space for you to try new things? How do we learn from failure? How do we really push each other to do that in the nonprofit sector? And then how do we work with the private sector. Mm -hmm. Private sector has a ton of resource that we could leverage. So when you're talking about like social enterprise, that some of the things that assets is doing, you know, what are 
things that our local businesses can do? What are practices that they could change? What can we do? Just a couple things that might help integrate that into changing um, some of our biggest problems, really, what are our biggest opportunities? And mm -hmm. what are people thinking? People who are experiencing <coughs> homelessness or experiencing poverty, like what What should we be learning from people who are um, living in that situation? We're not gonna sit in a room and come up with something. I'm not, look right. at me, I'm not right. gonna come up with that. <laughs> but I'm like, what, what do I need, what does everybody need to learn from each other about how we can really like come together mm -hmm. and um, make things happen. So like that whole idea of entrepreneurial mindset, I think goes in a lot of different directions and we can really push each other mm. um, to learn, yeah. And I mean, and, and just to bump like what, what Jamie was saying, like I think that was the perfect mm -hmm. answer to that question that like, you know, has it grown, has it, um, but like I, I think what you say, like it's mm -hmm. always been there. And I, I think mm. that's, that's what we're finding more and more. Like the more people we talk to, the more um, experiences we have and the perspectives we glean, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, this has always been there. There are people in the community who have ideas and who want to who want to create things and want to do cool things. Um, it's about building platforms. It's about building access and it's about building equitable opportunities um, for these ideas to kind of come to fruition that have always been there. And you know, we've we talked to countless people, and everyone's just like, oh. I, you know, everyone around me has got ideas about how to how to improve our community, how to create a cool business. Um, but there's this lack of invitation. There's this lack of um, feeling like their ideas would be heard mm -hmm. um, and acted upon. Um, and that's what we're really kind of wrestling with now about how to create opportunities for ideas to actually be heard and acted upon and treated with as much value as they deserve. Mm. I think you're really right on, Aaron. And I, I think there's another dynamic too that's kind of unique in Lancaster and it's kind of our, our humble attitude about <laughs> things. Uh, I think we've always been very entrepreneurial, but we've also been very humble about it. So mm. things would happen in pockets, right? Like, mm -hmm. And even with the, the social enterprise pitch, when we first started it with assets, um, you know, we were we're asking the question, you know, are there really um, social enterprises that are going to come forward? Um, mm. And then we started to think, well, what, what's been happening here in the social enterprise front in Lancaster? Oh, we had 10,000 villages and we had, mm -hmm. you know, this and that. And, and there are all kinds of different uh, social enterprises that already had started up, but we didn't call ourselves a hub of social enterprise. Mm. So I think we're starting to figure out as a community um, what it looks like to start to label ourselves in a certain way. Um, and I think, you know, we see the Entrepreneurship Coalition uh, starting up. Uh, the social enterprise pitch has just blown up and, mm -hmm. and there's dozens, what, three like dozen organizations yeah. that, mm -hmm. that have started up as a result of that. So I think we're kind of getting to the point where we can start to label ourselves as a hub of entrepreneurship and a hub of social enterprise. Like if we can hold up a mirror to things like all the social enterprise, if we can hold up a mirror to like TCP and be like, look at all this amazing work that's happening yeah. in this community, like that, then we encourage each other. We're like, yeah there's really amazing stuff. And mm. that's that whole inspiring each other um, and encouraging each other to keep wow. doing the work. Yeah, I would love, yeah. I would love to add the, the word risk taker like that. That's something there. So even with entrepreneurship, sometimes it can actually have a negative effect with someone that feels that, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. Mm. But the mindset's the, the, the key there. It's how are you a risk taker and a problem solver in whatever capacity you're in. Even if you're an employee at a business, how do you start to think of uh, solving problems and uh, taking risk in the capacity that you're in? And employers need to start embracing that as well. Mm. So it's, um, that's something that's interesting that's happening. I think too, that's so. a big thing that assets and, and organizations like assets are really responsible for is I think our population and certainly our gener generation 
saw entrepreneurship as one thing. And it wasn't until people like Assets and people from Assets came to me and said to me, oh, you should do this business. And I'm like, I'm an artist. I don't do business. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, no, it's not exactly. It doesn't always have to be what you think mm -hmm. it looks like. Mm -hmm. You're the owner. You could do. So to communicate that, like, entrepreneurship isn't just one thing. Um, I think is is really kind of the most important piece of that. Absolutely, and that's a good point uh, that you made because I felt the same way. I was like, I'm a news reporter. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm a journalist. Yeah. I'm, I'm 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 not a business person. Yeah. I, I I don't have the business mind or anything like that. But but I mean. Um, once once you like really get into it and and you start meeting people and start talking to people um and then when your idea becomes a reality you know um it feels good and, and you realize that 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 it doesn't take a special kind of person it doesn't mm. take a special kind of um circumstance or anything like that it's just you know upon uh, amongst other things you know rolling up your sleeves and and giving it a shot taking mm -hmm. taking a risk mm -hmm. um and that's what we're certainly doing here Pick so yourself um, up after you fail right you know? right right uh fall down six times get up seven mm -hmm. so um ladies and gentlemen we are going to leave it right there i want to uh thank our guests for coming in today i i you wish that we had some more time great I, show as always it goes it, by it so always, fast it, it, it does it does um you know we're still playing with the thought of um of expanding our time mm. um so we'll still more be, uh, us y'all yeah yeah <laughs> i know that's what you want <laughs> But um, but yeah, a uh, special special shout out um to the rest of the TCP family. Um, I gotta go in order now. I just can't like shoot them off because there's so many now. Um, Sundays, uh, Sundays we have uh the Say Less podcast. Um, after that we have our ladies of Raw royalty. Um, and then after that we have sit down with the Johnsons. A mm. uh, special shout out to them. Their show is coming together beautifully um mondays we have our uh shots of e and j they are uh coming into themselves i'm um, coming into themselves very well um as well they had uh the foundation on on monday um a little throwback to the to the 90s hip-hop scene here in lancaster so that was that was interesting um then tuesdays we have our sports casters opinionated facts <laughs> and um and thursdays of course don't forget us Friendly neighborhood Spider Man. <laughs> uh, the cast, the the hosts of uh, hip hop and and politics. Um, this TCP thing is um is definitely growing. Is definitely catching on. And um, we couldn't do this without um you all and the support that you all give us. Um, so uh, please continue to give us the support that, that we need so that we can continue to give you the content that you love like and share tell yes. your friends we got shows for everybody yes you yes. don't like sports that's all right yeah we got raw royalty you don't like yeah. raw royalty that's all right we got to say less <laughs> you know it's not a moment it's a movement, oh, movement. absolutely everyone leave it right there ladies and gentlemen and you know how i like to end every show get active get involved I don't
chase hoes Ride around with a Draco Trap trap to the day goes Woke up, I ain't changed clothes Me and Black fuck the same hoes Me and Rel do the same drugs Me and Zone got the same plugs Seven grams in the game blunt Whole lot of options Whole lot of hoes in these bitches be thotting Whole lot of niggas who think they be chopping Whole lot of Mr. Miyagi's Whole lot of Johnny Tsunamis But I've been away since back in the day When Pamela ran on the bay Please do not F up my way Please do not step on my J's Woo! Bitch, I get high as a fade Lemon haze in the shade Top down in the rain Put it up when we hotbox it Head first like she skydiving Tryna act like she not thotting Chill girl, look, I got options No red for these haters Got that slammer and it's probably with us I ain't fucking with that club Unless this daddy's in it And I ain't finna sip no water Unless this molly in it I got options, man And I been riding around town all day With your bitch, I bet she probably with us down to do the tennis, she ain't poppin' that. I just met some noodles, I bet they probably would. And I got options, man. Hello, hello. Yeah, you know I got options. You say we got problems, but it's just a whole lot of letting it rock when you see me out here. Yeah. Nothing is promised. You niggas is wildin'. Why didn't you stop him from leaving the booth with that wax shit? All I see is guap, guap, guap Money thrown to the top, top, top Hit the floor like a bron, bron flop Inner box like a hopscotch rock 18 for a P is easy All of you niggas is greasy All I speak is guapanese R.I.P. Young Easy If I gotta die for it, I'ma die for it Like fuck it, uh Niggas die every day, we always liable to kick a bucket Uh, got white in the cup on the green Just like I'm putting, uh Don't believe them if they say I said it Unless it was 100, uh I don't think they really want it. Why you rapping if you rapping about nothing? Uh, did you really put my name in your song? Goddamn, I must be buzzing. Uh, like I'm too on, hitting blunts wrong. I'm spitting hot shit. Choreo like Tebow in college. Whole lot of options. Whew. No red for these haters. Got that slammer and it's probably with us. I ain't fucking with that club unless this daddy's in it. And I ain't finna sip no water unless this Molly in it. I got options, man. And I've been riding around town all day. Want your bitch, I bet she probably with Some new I bet they probably